Hello, I'm Jensen Beeler. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The hat trick of motorcycle podcasts. <laughs> Why is it a hat trick? We haven't done three of anything. Nah, because that's my prompt to remind our listeners that they should listen to the Motor Podcast, which I just started a few weeks ago. We got a couple episodes now. Uh, I feel out. I feel kind of dirty that yeah. you did that. Oh, I just I just milked you for everything. Oh, that's oh. so gross. Ugh, it's all working. You didn't even tell to me that was happening. No, now I I'm just no. I feel like I'm covered in goo. Forever just, unclean. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, go listen to the Motor Podcast. It's up on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever fine podcasts are listened to. However, you're listening to the Two Enthusiasts podcast. It's right there with you as well. It's motorcycles on the record. It's the Motor Podcast. How many of those shows you got out? I mean, by the time this show gets out, mm-hmm. like 12, mm-hmm. like an even dozen, probably. <laughs> as Seriously. Of, as of have today, you, we've got two out. Have you gotten two yeah. out? Okay. Thanks for listening. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Jerk. Well, you know, that's how it goes. So what's uh, what's happening in, in Jensen land? Jensen land. Jensen's been busy. Jensen's been wheeling and dealing. And I got a lot of press launches coming up. Two wheeling and dealing. A lot of two wheeling. Um, a lot of four stroking. Uh, went riding with our friend Ryan out in Brown's camp the other day. Got out there super late. We totally didn't get lost, which was good because we would have been like just camping. It was riding the Husky of Doom. The Husky of Doom, even now, that's good. Yeah. Did it actually, it, did it actually its brakes work and everything? Ran pretty well. Okay, I'm not gonna say it ran well. Yeah, it, it ran pretty, pretty well. well. You got around Brown's camp, not knowing where to go. It only stalled itself for no reason, like four times, which is a good day for the Husky. Yeah, sure. You riding that Husky is like training for the eight pound shot put with a ten pound ball. If you get to make the distances with the with the ten pound. You'll just be throwing it so much farther with the eight pound, right? So I, I equate it to that. You'll you get off that thing and get on a real motorcycle or a cheater bike like an Alta or my Christini or whatever. It'd be like what? You wouldn't even know what to do, right? Yeah. You should ride my XR650 after you ride yours and see what it's like to ride around and you know gnar. Yeah. The uh the thing I realized the other day, you know my suspension setup. It's my supermoto track setup. Sure, tight Did, and right. Didn't didn't change a single knob yeah i noticed that the other day i was like i can't see the bumps are like oh that's right tracks it's track suspension this is this is just stupid i am just a stupid person. because it was just vibrating yeah, the shit out of you it's very out. very yeah i bet that was very difficult yeah, i had a flat this is my oh, first I time this on facebook yeah i i have been riding off-road for a really long time but i have been paranoid of that and i don't like the idea of having to change a flat on the trail so i ride with heavy duty tubes and I ride with more air pressure than you're, you normally should because I just don't want to pinch flat. Well, <clears throat> I was riding a bike that was a demo bike, and I didn't pay much attention to tires, and I got a flat. I pinch flatted it. So on trail had to – actually, we were on a really long trail, and I felt it pretty early on. I'm like, well, it's, it feels like this might be going flat, but the bike's so easy to ride, I was just able to power through it and then had to do the ch- tire change. Luckily, one of the guys we were with, Tom Young, who was a – local storied uh, uh, motorcyclists and shop owner, et cetera. We might have talked about him on the show because he had some bikes stolen. Oh, that's I c- right. I couldn't that's remember right. if we actually we got that on the did. show. So <clears throat> he had a <clears throat> – he, he wasn't sure. Sorry, I've got <clears> – <throat> I've got, I've got the – Are you uh, trying to start that van? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I've, I should do the – hold on. <clears throat> Sorry. So drink, he uh, – Drink your beer. I know. That's the thing. It's – and I should shout out to this beer. It is – Salem Aleworks, 
which is Salem, Oregon, and it's a two-faced collusionator, Russian imperial stout. <laughs> wow! So, Someone, so if that be, that you got that on my fridge, someone left. No, that no, here. no. Did I got it. This? I had put it on the in the fridge. We had, oh, okay. We had been on. I was our, gonna say we got a shout out to someone because it's someone brought that here no, and no, left that here. I brought it here because okay. I had wanted to taste it and I thought it would be a good podcast beer. Okay. Um, and it turns out that that stouts I can drink without any major issues. So, um, I just love the idea that it was the two faced collusionator, Russian imperial stout. <laughs> who is who is the guy that they had to like kill like five times? And and and. Bolshevik Russia. Oh. Rasputin. It's yeah. Like the Rasputin of beers. Yeah, it's the Rasputin of beers. But I love the fact the collusionator. Collusionator. <laughs> so good. Interesting. Uh-huh. Call us for sponsorship opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> we've got, right, some, so we've got a great 2018 plant. It gives you phlegm. All right, back to the story. So the uh changing uh, tubes. Yeah, changing tubes. Uh, uh Tom had a tube with him. And I was like, in my, it's funny when you, in your head when you're on the trail, I'm like, that's horrible. I don't want to cause all these people to have to wait for me while I do this. And that sucks. And I'm just going to ride, I'll ride back down the mountain with a flat tire and I'll go down the forest roads. They can go, you know, in my brain, I'm like, I don't want to hurt anybody. And, and somebody else, Tom was like, well, I got a tube. And I was like, well, that'll take a long time to change. And they're like, dude. No, it won't. And I'm like, it'll be like half an hour. And they're like 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't know. You know, I've, Changed a lot of tires in my day, but never on the trail. I didn't think it was a big deal. Look down at the dirt bike. I'm like, God, this is a simple machine. And that is a front. It is easy to get the front wheel. Sure enough, 25 minutes later, brand new tube, pumped up with a little teeny little pump, and we're on our way. It was really interesting to kind of be forced to do it with a bunch of industry people watching Right, I've never done it before. I couldn't pinch you're, the tube. You're an right, yeah. it was. It was really strange, but it was a good feeling to to get it done, get it past the rim lock, not have any issues, get down the mountain. That was a that was a very rewarding thing. So I recommend everybody that's riding dirt bikes, you carry a twenty one inch inner tube because it can use it in the rear if you have to, and that was one of that's why you always are we you, not are we you, not doing phrasing. You can use 21 inches in the rear. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's right. It's all fun and games. Like there's a there's a put a plug in it joke somewhere in there and I can't Or a quite Prince Albert out. joke something like that, right? Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was the pre-show. That's the pre- no one no one understands that joke when that was the pre-show <laughs> conversation. That's just lost lost to the ether. <laughs> so, got that done. Had a great time. That was a good ride. And then uh, yeah. Then the one show are we going to talk about that now or? Oh, uh, I got a couple little haps, little moto moto haps. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the show. haps and then we'll get to that. Happenstance. Happenstance. I like to dance and the happenstance. Uh, I need to give a big shout out to my good buddy Randy Mamola, who is officially now a MotoGP legend. That is rad. That was good, and I was glad that they they posted the picture of him on the Kajiva, completely sideways, smoke pouring off the rear. In an era where that would normally result in broken wrists, right? And for Randy, sometimes it did. <laughs> Unfortunately, Unfortunately. That's the case. Yeah. That, was, that was that era, though. Sure. Uh, Randy is an awesome dude. Uh, I met him... I'm trying to think when I met Randy. I've known him for at least five years, maybe longer. And just super approachable, super down to earth. Every time I see him, he asks about, how, how's my mom doing? You know, how's her health? How, you know, when was the last time I saw her? I should go see her. He's from the Bay Area, so he's, he's, he's around her, her neck of the woods in terms of, like, where they grew up. Although I think he spends most of his time in Spain now. Um, but just 
just a really good guy. And he started um, with the the Coleman family, the Riders for, for Health, Health charity. Yeah, which he started it. He's the co-founder with Andrea Coleman and I didn't know uh, that he was husband. a co-founder. Or, or, or I just never computed that. He, I knew he was heavily involved. I didn't realize he was a co-founder. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which so, gets uh, like medical supplies to African cities via motorcycle. Is that exactly, the deal? Okay. Exactly. And that's a charity I really um, really like because it's, it's motorcycles doing something to make the world better. It's sure. like these remote areas where the roads get washed out and the land cruisers can't get through or the land cruisers break down. The motorbikes always get through. They teach the the driver, the riders, I should say, how to operate on them. The maintenance is really easy. And they're, so they're super reliable. They're super good about getting the blood work back to where it needs to go or getting vaccinations where they need to go in that you know window of however long they can be in a cooler kind of thing. Um, so really good work that like it's like the perfect way of, of getting positive stuff done in the world and motorcycles making that happen. Yeah. It's great. Great stuff. Uh, Randy's a great dude. If you see him in the MotoGP paddock, absolutely go up and talk to him and say hi. He will he will chat your ear off. It's, it's just so great. He's such a great ambassador for our sport and for our passion. Um, well, for years, well deserved. He, he did the uh, two-up bike for, with Ducati. I don't know. Do they do that any longer? I don't know if they do. But he was doing but that I think for they years do. and years and yeah. years, right? And he would be the one that took you around the track. And that's a holy shit moment, right? He and he wasn't slow, Mm-mm. right? He's Mm-mm. legit, and it's an impressive thing. He's known for being a bit of a wild child back in the day. Never got a world championship, no, which is a strange thing. But he's like one of the best people to not get it because you know there's a lot of dour, shitty people like may say Danny Pedrosa that are gonna live forever without ever having had a championship, and they're just gonna be kind of. Nah, about it whereas randy's I like i don't know i got to ride motorcycles for a really long time hauling ass i don't think i don't think danny i think danny's a bad example of that um i know i know americans give danny a hard time but i, I like danny i think he's a good good kid you don't think he's a, a dour Mm-mm. no i don't you, you think he's a, a, a gregarious I think, I think, happy i think every racer that has ever been a runner-up in a world championship especially if the points were close and then randy had a couple yeah, there was a couple years. I was trying to look at which one, eighty, two, eighty three, no, whatever one. It's like seven points or like that. You look at like the retirements, and you're like, if you hadn't missed those two races, you definitely probably would have won the world championship. Oh, sure, that's why I say, and I think he you knows know, that. So he knows, like, oh yeah, I mean, like who who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't in that situation? Um, probably have a little bit of what ifs, but that's also I think that's racing. Sure. You know? That's why I say, if you're, I think he's one of the ones like, man, I had a good run of it. I got to ride work shit for a long time. No, I didn't get a world championship, but I was always in the hunt. And he was good, right? Really good. And he was a wild child slider, badass. And so I, See, I, I think like that's him. the bigger thing where, like, because he was such a wild child, the, the fan yeah. that came with it is that's the real thing, right? It's much like why <clears throat> Kevin Schwantz is more popular than Eddie Lawson. Eddie Lawson was amazing. It was, he was Jorge Lorenzo-esque as far as how good he was. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit because he, he had a, such a smooth style that you couldn't tell he was hauling ass. Whereas Schwantz, you saw it every second that the camera was on him, that bike was out of control because he was having to ride shitty, slow Suzuki's. And he was impressive on it. So most people regard him as a, a better champion because of it. Yeah, I think that's... I've talked to a few current MotoGP racer world champions who get upset when like the fans don't respond when they win races or something like that. And I think 
the thing that they missed was the like like Lorenzo's a great example where it's like I remember there was a press conference one weekend where he came in second or no the first weekend he had won it and he'd blown it out like yeah just a ridiculous like maybe sure. over a minute between him and I mean that's that's not right but like yeah let 15 fir- 20 seconds let at the first corner and never look back yeah blew out the competition it was a race for a second that's what it was because it was a race for second or third and it was really tight and it was a good race and everyone <laughs> so yeah so the post-race press conference everyone's talking about oh that passed for second that passed for third you two going back and forth and lorenzo's like uh yeah hey i um i fucking killed it today uh i don't know if you saw me like just dominate it today um jorge lorenzo i'm a big freaking deal i just whooped everyone's ass this just makes me hate him more <laughs> and then but no but then the the next weekend really close battle for second wins it and everyone's like oh jorge da, 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 da. or no he didn't win it he, he got it was a really close battle for second and they're talking about him getting the the second place and he's like i blew it out yesterday or the last time we raced and no one wanted to talk to me, but this time I get second and you all want to talk to me. Like, I don't understand it. And I was like, yeah, because it's not interesting when you just run away with it. No one cares. We want to see the battle. We want to see the bike swapping yeah. places. We want to see the hard passes. And, you know, the race that you do that in, you get the reward of having all the journalists yeah. and all the fans talk Sorry, about you and be in the spotlight. Part of the deal, right? But I don't think he really got it. I think for him it was like, I got the one plate this weekend and you didn't talk to me. And I got the two plate the next weekend and you did. Ah. Uh, you're like, well, that's not always really what it is. Now, those of us who are students of the sport, sport get it. We understand it. We're like, wow, that's impressive. You did that. But holy shit, did you see that? Right? You know, I right. get it. Right? I, I totally, you got to give them respect for being able to haul ass, but just to being the poopy Lorenzo, it's like, ugh. I just don't think they understand the media side or the spectacle side of it. For them, it is no. literally, I won by 20 seconds versus I won by 20 tenths. And Especially if you're as smooth as Lorenzo is, I'll say this about um, Casey: he would be leading or doing something gnarly, and you could see it. Like you could watch the the body language or the bike. It was very apparent that he was on the ragged fucking edge, and he was impressive. Even if he was completely on his own, you'd see it. Whereas Lorenzo's smooth and controlled, and there's something to that. Right? See, this is why I think Casey's actually the greatest of all time. And not and not say like a Rossi or or whomever you want to throw in there, why a Marquez or a Agostini, just because of the talent, just because of what he could do with a bike that no one else could. And the biggest tragedy in my mind is him retiring so early in his career that we never got to see what his his lifespan could have been in the, in the sport in terms of like like Rossi's been in GP for Rossi's been in GP. For, 30, for as long as I've years. been interested in motorcycles. I remember when I first got into bikes, that was like the start of the four-stroke season. That was the first four-stroke season. It was literally the start of MotoGP. That was right when like motorcycle racing became a part of my zeitgeist and my consciousness. Sure. And like he's still going today. Mm-hmm. And like Casey's that's just why been, he's the best. And well, I mean, like that, that not for me, like that's I'm not taking anything away from Valentino. But I just think if Casey had had the desire to still be in the sport, we would have seen as much greatness come through and we would talk about him in a similar way. But because he kind of retired early, we don't get to see it. And that's unfortunate because I think the talent, I think the talent on the bike is superior. The career, obviously not because it doesn't have the duration, but the talent superior. And if my auntie had balls, she'd be my uncle. I know. Dude, Marquez uh, uh, for me eclipses 
any of that. His his blind aggression and skill out of control eclipses Casey by a factor of a hundred, uh, by a factor of ninety three. Right? He's really, really impressive to watch. Right? Hard. I mean, I think the greatest tragedy is we never got to see them line up on the track at the same time. Did we not? I don't think we did. Was so. Uh, I keep wanting to say Moner, even though I, I have to admit I understand it's a bad thing. So Moner didn't race the one year he got the championship on the Honda. Oh yeah, Marquez. That would have been like a, the year before Marquez. That's probably why uh, Casey's not racing because he's like, I'm not going to go up against that I that kid so. that's going to whoop my it, ass. I, I don't think that would have been a, an ass whooping. I think you would. It would have been a good fight. You would have been some yeah. really good race. And if they were both in the Honda garage, oh sure, it would have been it amazing. Been but could have, would have, should have. Anti with balls, uncle. In, in the in the parallel universe where that happens, like they are just so much more lucky than we are. Sure. I think we've been pretty fortunate to see what we've, we've seen over the past great five racing. years, right? We've it's had been great a- racing the last two or three years. And 2018 is looking really good, too. Uh, testing in Thailand is going on this weekend. It'll be interesting you know, to see. Taiwan on. Uh, a little chicken satay. <laughs> marinate it. Mm. Oh, that does sound good. <laughs> Doesn't it? Maybe we should go Thai food after this. Uh, I'm down with that. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this season. I'm going to... So to, to back it into kind of what's going been going on in my world, I'll be unfortunately or fortunately riding the Speed Triple, the new Speed Triple RS in Spain right as the Qatar season opener is going on. Dude, you're only hop, skipping a jump. Why don't you just fly I, over there? I after- thought about doing it. The dates, I literally, our ride day is race day. Oh. So it's, it's, no le- it's legitimately not going to work out. But I thought about it. I had my colleague Steve English was like, ah, oh, mate, that's not the right accent, but. You know, Irish accent. <laughs> you should go over there and see the MotoGP race. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Look at the dates. It's no go. Nah, but, but, but I'm looking I'd forward to be it. riding any motorcycle than spectating in any race. Well, I'm pretty stoked to ride the the Speed Triple. As you um, should be. I don't I, know much about it, but it should be fine. It'd I almost be good. bought one like eight years ago or whatever. Right around so when wait, I bought my Street is, Fighter. This is the 1000? This is the 1050. Yeah. And it's new for some reason. It's got it's updated. It, the okay. over on one hundred new parts in the engine alone. Oh, wow! So, but it looks just like the old one. But they got like a twelve horsepower increase. It lost Woo-hoo! a little weight. Uh, the, big, the, big, the big thing is the all the electronics. Okay, so they all got the electronics. some electronics. Corner and ABS, IMU traction control, up down quick shifter with the, with the stiff upper lip of a British uh, engineer. It still looks like Johnny Five. You know, yeah. you're gonna. Eat. I think it looks fine. You know, when they, they put do the a little, pretty good job. Uh, what do they call it, a speed screen or whatever, that little wind windscreen on the front, it actually looks okay. That, that For me, that bike, so I have, a, I, have, I have two minds on the way that bike looks. One, this is the original Street Fighter. This was the... the no, 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 <laughs> it was not. No, it was. Street Fighters were the well, original Street you Fighter. Let, you gotta let me finish. You gotta let me finish. <laughs> you gotta let me finish. You okay. can't just cut the man off and, right, and then cut him at the knees. The original production Street So, Fighter. so... First of all, like the Street Fighter segment is like my favorite segment in the market. But this is crazy Brits over over in the the Anglo-Saxon land. Just were like, hey, let's take Farron's off sport bikes, off super bikes, put a flat bar, put these stupid bulbous double headlights on the front, slash the exhaust into all this craziness and created what we now call the Street Fighter segment. It was it was something that that customers kind of started. Triumph was the first brand to latch onto it from a production motorcycle point of view and made the speed triple and then the street triple. 
I'd argue that the Ducati Monster was before that. I wouldn't say the Monster is a, is a Street Fighter. I'd argue that all day long. Okay. Well, Miguel Galuzzi was here this weekend, and he disagrees <laughs> with you. <laughs> oh, Miguel. Wah, wah, wah. So if the it's man... It's called the freaking Monster, man, right? No, no words. <laughs> no words. But, you know, I think Triumph did a really good job of being like, okay, this is what this kind of ethos is of this this budding segment and we will make a production yeah. version that taps right into it like this two stupid headlights we're going to put that on our first version and of then bike. the frames are going to crack and we have to have a recall and then and then Stiff the electric lip, systems Quentin. are going to be shitty Stiff upper lip those bikes were so rad when they rolled out like i i was working at a triumph shop in the late 90s so i was like these are amazing. And then you had to deal with them. I was like, oh, man, they're pieces of shit. I, I'd written off. I've said it on the podcast probably 100 times. I had written off Triumphs as, holy fuck, I will never own one of these till the mid-2000s. And they got their shit together. And you can't deny that they got their shit together, right? 2009, I was in the dealership, rode one, loved it. I just couldn't get over the way it looked. And then I think the next year they redesigned the headlight. And I was like, eh, okay. It's shaped pretty well I'm now. sure. I'm not, I'm not quite sure... If I'm there yet on the looks department, especially when you have like a couple other bikes in that segment, but I'm really looking forward to go riding that that bike in Spain. We're going to Almeria, which is a track I've never been to, but I've heard a lot of really good things. Should be we'll great. Do a street ride, a track ride. I'm stoked to go ride it because awesome. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, and then I go. Thank couple, God you now have a connection to Triumph because you've never been to a the first first Triumph press launch. Well, Andy actually got to go on ANR's first Triumph press launch a couple weeks ago. He went and did the Bonneville Speedmaster. No. Oh. But this will be the first one for me after like nearly 10 years of this job, like finally. So, but, it, <laughs> so but it's bizarre. cool. So then I come back for a couple of days and then I go again to Moab. We're going to do the Tiger 800 and Tiger 1200, do dirty biking on that, come back, go to Morocco with Bridgestone, do some sport riding and some adventure riding, come back. Then we go to Austin, you and I going to go GP it up and you can go, you can probably go um, see Danny Bedrosa and tell him much you don't like him. A little dour little puppet. I mean, he'll come up to like your navel, but you know, a little angry little dour puppet. You know, it, it, you've said he's just a nice he's guy. Such a nice and guy. He's happy. Anyone he's that really hates Danny like Pedrosa, that. like you're going to a special place in hell because he's such a nice guy. You know what? I hope he wins the championship this year. I, oh man, wouldn't that? I would be stoked for Danny. You know what? I'm I'll rooting, say that now. I'm probably rooting for Davi because I think he's so so close. Another super good dude. But if Danny won it, I'd be like, yeah, fair play. Right on. Yep. Good. Same good on you. That's what I'm saying. I I kind of everybody likes to root for the overdog or the underdog. He is a middle dog. He's obviously very talented. He get he's got his shit together. He'll, he'll get a free, maybe the fairings will work really well for him. Whatever. He is well made up for all of his sins for crashing out Nikki. That's been long enough. If Let's let Nikki it fucking has go. forgiven him. Then yeah. you have to. That's why I say him. I like the idea of Nikki looking down from whatever afterlife the, the of your choice in the sky. and saying, "All right, I'm going to help you out. Let's crash out Rossi." <laughs> All right. Anyway, so yeah, good times with uh, all those things. Hopefully, good luck with all that as you're doing it. Hopefully, we'll get some podcasts in there. Yeah, we'll get some podcasts and there'll be some podcasts on the Motor Podcast, which Quentin already listens to religiously. Oh, yeah. Every day. Every day. Twice daily. Just soaking it up like a sponge. (laughs) What else is going on? Uh, That was the first bullet point in my six bullet point pre-show list. Good old number two. Mr. McPint, John McGinnis has jumped ship oh, from yeah. Honda to Norton. Oh, with the Norton, with it, which is an Aprilia V4 and a different chassis, right? Isn't that what that is? You know what? The 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 SG1 and 
a few iterations after that was an Aprilia V4. And now I'm not sure. I know the production bike is their own engine design. I'm not sure if the race bike still uses the RSV4 engine or not. I think it does. <laughs> I doubt I think it, it would does. be anything other than that, right? Um, what is the production engine supposed to it's be? It's like a 1200 V4. It's got a different... It's their own design. Uh, uh, I'd have to look up what... Well, what you know what? If they're serious about trying to sell the shit, then they'll do that. They'll I, they'll be like, all right. I, I just don't think it's race legal because uh, it's the 1200. It's 12, okay. I mean, it would be probably okay for the senior... Yeah. I'd have to double check the the rules on the senior. Well, but, McPint um, is a bit of a senior at this stage, right? That dude has been doing this a long time. Well, that's Holy the thing. He's shit. been doing it for a long time with Honda. Yeah. Like for me, that's the huge news is the fact like I thought that guy was going to retire with Honda and be done and yeah. basically made his entire career on Hondas. Um, so to see him jump ship, especially for the big bikes, uh, there's there's still some talk on whether or not he's doing Honda 600s or not. Um, I haven't quite heard a definitive on that because he could just—he never does very well in the 600s. It's not really his class. Sure. So I could see him just kind of giving it up because I think honestly, I think his time is waning. If yeah, if he does a 2019 TT, I'm surprised. Yeah, sure. But to see him do it on the Norton or maybe to finish his career out on the Norton is really surprising. But that project has come a long, long way. Like that—that that I think legitimately could be a podium bike, and maybe with a McGinnis with the stars aligning. Yeah. Good day, lots of practice. That could be a race winner. Good luck. I'm all about it. Any anytime a, a weirdo bike gets ridden by somebody who's obviously awesome, and McGinnis, let's face it, is probably one of the best people in racing. Another good, uh, another I should say, another super good dude. Yeah, extremely good person. Obvious. I mean, I don't even know, but I'm just saying from from all the interviews and all the time, you can see the glint in that guy's eye. He's a, just a good person. He's a little troublemaker, but yeah, sure. But in a, that's the best type of motorcyclist. Yeah. So I'll be very curious to see how he goes around uh, the mountain course on that thing. It sounds amazing in person. Any, it, it, it's an amazing machine from a from an oral sense of the word, and that's a u r l. Oral, oral, aoral, aoral, aoral. Prince Albert in a Prince Albert sort of way. We should we should start a rumor that John McGinnis has a Prince Albert piercing. <laughs> see how quickly like a pint of beer gets thrown out of and it's TT. like a, it's like a barbell <laughs> i've got four balls not two that's what makes me go. <laughs> all right what about uh honda have they i guess with that they're going to be announcing they, whatever. well that was the thing so they announced their um they announced the riders uh a few months ago and john mcginnis wasn't one of them named uh, is um uh, where is it oh how quickly we forget they're doing um they're doing ian hutchinson and lee johnston instead huh and that was already announced a long time that ago. that was a while ago yeah. that would have been that newsworthy was... at the time i guess i'm bummed that we didn't pick up on that uh what about um guy uh i saw a, a guy martin restaurant is about to launch in the charles de gaulle airport which i assume is just the same really yeah, legitimately. I, don't, I, I, think, I think it's a different guy, Martin, but oh. that's the joke. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, I haven't heard anything. Okay. And and I don't think we will until, you know, I don't I don't know if Guy Martin's racing next year. Sure. I, you never know if Guy Martin. Yep. But again, like, I think it's one of those things where, like, I think his years are kind of. Yeah, no doubt. Dunzo now. And, oh, well. You know. All right. Next bullet point. Next bullet point. Um, I got to get back over. 
I had a thing I wanted to talk to you about off show. Oh, the next bullet point was actually talking about this sp- Triumph Speed Triple. We kind of did. We already did. I'm going to move on. We'll just yeah. push on, push on through. Harley Davidson. So I can't remember if we talked, how much we talked about last show about Harley, but I know there is a new story. And I just want to read the headline because I know you're going to love the headline. And so is this the one you're excited to tell me yeah, about? That Because yeah. I don't know. Pre show, I was like excited for this. Okay. Oh, I got I got to scratch my little eye here before we can get into it. Oh yeah, I'll get in there. Do that. Oh yeah, no, right, that's we, an eye scratch clap. We're gonna leave that one in. It's just good radio. <laughs> All right, here's the headline I wrote: Harley Davidson recalling 174,000 motorcycles because owners might be bad at basic bike maintenance. Oh yeah, that was really tragic. This is super interesting. Now it is. I have to admit, I'm fascinated by how this works. So, I guess from what I can gather. And this is what happens. Brake fluid will crystallize if if exposed right. to water. So or let's, let's stop for a second. The recall centers around uh, the braking components. It's basically saying that the if the Harley Davidson owners don't stick to the two year schedule maintenance of flushing their their brake fluid, bad things will happen and the brakes could be bad. So Harley Davidson is having a recall. Yeah. So now, now go into it. Okay. So basically, they're saying, all right, if you don't flush these, and this, what happens is there's crystallization that could happen in any brake fluid system. It often does, and it usually doesn't result in like no brakes. It just was like, oh, I can't bleed this, or it happens at the master, or I get yes, it would be no brakes, but you'd notice it. If it's usually years of not of letting it sit, right? I don't know if it's. The hydroscopic part of the brake fluid, which accepts water, the causes, I'm not sure. I'm not a chemist. It'd be worthwhile looking into. I don't know what the that is, but if you've ever had to deal with an old, crusty brake master cylinder on a car or bike, you usually see there's some uh, crystals that are that develop in it. And that's what I'm assuming is going on. The question is, is how how is this how does this have anything to do with a recall? Like why? This is basic maintenance, That's the weird right? Part. So ha- I would love to know how NHTSA had looked at this as, well, any other vehicle on the earth could probably uh, have a similar issue if not. But if they're saying, well, in two years, we're starting to see this brake fluid crystallize quicker, you know, that that's a question or, or cause an issue quicker or is it because they're not, they're just flushing the brake fluid. They're not changing a component. So it's not like there's one component that's, you know, I don't right. know, oxidizing right. or something. A like nut the, or a bolt or, or, like, or like the piston. Uh, like the, the Ducati Brembo. thing where yeah. they're just changing a plastic piston or something like that, right? So that's the question. The other part of me is the cynic in me, the really cynic in me is like, oh, they're just trying to get people in the dealership so that they could buy more bikes. And I'm not even kidding. I really think this is what it is. Are sales up or down for Harley right? Davidson Harley's right in a bad way right now. What better way to get people... 174,000 every people. all your owners come back and, and everybody's like oh well that wouldn't i wouldn't buy a new bike bullshit a lot of those riders would come in and be like i got a recall on this well shoot and they take it in and then they look around and the newest latest greatest is liquid cooled heads and more horsepower and, and the radio has bluetooth i'm buying a new one right and so i i'm my cynical side is they are absolutely number one uh, from a safety standpoint. Sure, it's met, totally legit. Let's get the brake fluids flushed. Number two, get them in so we can get some work done for our dealers because our dealers are st- on the struggle bus. The interesting thing is uh, the recall affects a lot of bikes that go as far back as 2008. Yeah, great. So it's perfect. kind of that window, right? 
right? It's a lot of 2008. That's a good trade in years. You don't want to go any any Actually, further back than I'm that. I'm looking at it. The range is really 2008 to 2011, which yeah. is kind of just like, hey, you've had it just long enough mm -hmm. that you might be itching to get something new. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not as cynical as you, but like, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. <laughs> you know, like I'm not like willing to go on the limb and say that's that's what's happening. No, here, sure, Q. right. But if it was, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Especially the way it is. I mean, that's you know, just strange. Well, and, that's right? and sales are down. And sales aren't good. And we're closing our Kansas City plant. And we're recalling all this stuff. And it's just, yeah, times are bad at Harley Davidson. Yeah. Um, and what a genius way. Because it it's not voluntary. It's like, well, it is voluntary. Any, any recall is voluntary. But it's basically, you sh you need to do this. You get a letter in the mail what an easy way Come to, on down. right? It's way different when you get something that's like recall instead of something that says, you know, some sort of glad handling, you know, sales brochure. You should come in for service work, right? Well, and the, le and the less cynical, I guess it's still very cynical, but the, the <laughs> Diet Coke version of what you said is, isn't necessarily like new bike sales, but oh, I'm in the dealership. Hey, Just that work. jacket looks cool. Or yep. I want to get that Screaming Absolutely. Eagle yep. American flag yep. and... Blah, 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 blah. I will say this from a from the standpoint of a dealer, and when there's a recall comes out, as long as the as long as the manufacturer isn't really shitty about its uh, labor times or the parts, et cetera, they're usually dealers are pretty stoked by it. Like, oh, it's a great opportunity for multiple things to upsell, to just get the consumer back in. There, if you're smart, you look at recalls. You know, on the first on the first part, you're like, ah, oh, these bikes are going to be known as pieces of shit. No, they're not. They're they're doing a good job. They're doing a recall. They're doing a technical service bolt, and they're they're doing good by the consumer to get the bike back in. That's not a problem if you're smart. Then you look at it as like, all right, we're going to have these things come in. I'm going to contact every customer. I'm going to try and call my service rep, see if there's any customers in the area that bought bikes elsewhere. How do I, how can I get on this train? And then you get the people in and not every time, but often people come in and buy stuff and get more service work done. It's easy to upsell, you know, a fork fluid flush. If you're, if the person's, you know, if, if a service writer or service manager is worth their salt, the person's coming in for a, well, you might have an issue with fork fluid or brake fluid after two years, then you sell them the, you know, your shock's doing a lot of work back there. You should probably have that rebuilt too. And the forks and, uh, you know, that joke. Yeah, okay. it is. Right. Would that be on a fat boy? Mer Merca fat boy. Right. So I, I, I think it's, I, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm kind of espousing my, I don't know, general, Cynic cynicism, but I I don't think it's a negative. I'm not hating on anything here. I'm saying right on. Good for you, Harley Davidson. Good for you for taking care of your your people. It is interesting. They made a really I thought it was really interesting in the recall documents. They make a really I don't know if they make a big thing out of it, but they go out of the way to say we're gonna flush your brake fluid with the Harley Davidson Platinum. No, oh, yeah, four. It's got to be fluid. the good shit. Yeah. I, I want like, little bits of particles of platinum into my. Plus, like it goes two ways. But I'm like, are you just trying to like, are we just trying to like put lipstick on the pig here? And like, oh, the platinum fluid's going to go in, or is it a specific fluid because maybe the previous fluid was an issue? You know, and that's that probably been more. I was going to make thought, more sense in a less cynical yep. analysis of this. No, I thought about that and I forgot to look it up because I think a lot of Harleys are like dot five point one. I was going to say, explain for our listeners the difference between dot four and dot five. All right, okay, so here's the deal: <clears throat> dot three, dot four, and dot five point one are glycol based. Dot five is silicon based. 
I don't know why. I can't remember. I don't know anything that uses .5 other than Harley, but I remember that being an issue. Anytime you have to work on a Harley, that you had to have that type of brake fluid. And I it don't does know. seem, just like quick research, Harley used to use .5 and then moved away from it sometime 10 years ago. And you know what? Maybe that's part of the problem is that people were mixing it and because it was a known thing that you had to use this weirdo fluid, the silicon-based fluid, because you can't mix it. It's bad deal. <clears throat> so um, I, I'd love to know what the properties of that fluid were and why they went that way, because pretty much any other production vehicle is all glycol-based, and you know any racing stuff is usually .4-ish. So interesting stuff, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. If you got a Harley, you probably have to go take it into the dealer. All right. Uh, can we stay on the Harley thing for a second? Sure. Why not? All right. We can do whatever you want, man. One thing it's our I podcast. Know- All right. Fair enough. But I was thinking about. It's not like Mama B is going to be calling me like, is my little Quentin talking about dot 5.1 again? <laughs> That's adorable. Oh, Mama B. I got to wear Mama B socks. It's been a while since I've worn those plaid socks. Talk about the tartan. <laughs> Maybe That's my tartan. I'm just going to claim it. Mama B tartan. Yep. Um, Noticed after this weekend at the one show and at the uh, flat track race that was this the the one show flat track in Salem, Harley posted a video of Andy Debrino uh, in the the whatever the super hooligan super hooligan class right. But I think it was actually not a super hooligan race. Maybe it was just the one show open. Ugh, so uh, confusing. No, that that's a super hooligan. Was it? Yeah. Okay, so either way. Andy posts up the video and I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's him on board. And it's not, it's not coming from him. It was from Harley Davidson. I was like, whoa, I found that I did not quote unquote, like the Harley Davidson Facebook page. I was like, well, that's, that's understandable. Cause I'm not a Harley fan, but I was like, all right, I should do this. Cause not only was he uh, featured on a video on Facebook and I was like, what, what does that matter? It's like, I don't know, man, this is Harley Davidson's a major manufacturer that is kind of frankly from what i saw as above it all and just not with it enough to even properly figure out who their demographic is and what they're doing well here they have this hooligan class that they're sponsoring some of the races or all of the races or people in it or whatever and they're helping and they're touting it and they're putting it on the facebook page and i was like well that's awesome stoked then just trickled down their feed just to see what else are they posting. And there's Tor Drake interviewing people leaving as they're, as they're leaving the one show. Uh, and it's, he's he dressed inter- like Ron Burgundy. No, but oh, okay. Cause he definitely was, he, he would do that. Uh, no, he was just in his normal white CC outfit and he was just chatting with the, some of the builders and it was really interesting to see. And it was good. And it was heartening that Harley has decided that they need to get with it and get on it. And I'm glad to see that they've done that. They've said, okay, I'm going to sponsor this one show, even though it's filled with other weirdo well, bikes, right? Harley's been a supporter. I guess we're officially changing gears now. Um, That's why I asked if it was okay. Is no, this no. one of your bullet points? Well, we sk- we're going skip- to end up skipping a bullet point, and I'm totally fine with it. Okay. We're on to the next one. This is this was kind of my, one of my last bullet points. Okay. Harley's been supporting the the one show, I think, from its inception. Yeah, a long time. Early, not if, not inception, maybe not, maybe but not early like on. day one, not like day zero, but nope. Um, last few years I can remember as many P- years as PBR as many, was one that was in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, uh, as many years as I can remember, Harley Davidson has been the main sponsor, and then like they've gotten they latched onto the Super Hogan thing pretty hard too because they really wanted people to ride the erase the street seven fifties. Yeah. 
which is uh, what uh, Andy, Andy was on. Is on. Yeah. Andy, yeah, cause I don't want, I don't know how much of Andy's business I can talk about, but I know he announced that he was a team, team latest. Team latest. And I think he might be getting some love from Harley as well. Sure. So good on him. Local yeah. boy going fast. We like Andy a lot. Yeah, for sure. Good, good deathmatch too, rider. Too bad we can't see more of him on deathmatch. That's going to happen. It's just, <laughs> you know, between all that traveling, I'll get those things done. <laughs> right in time for 2018 deathmatch. Mm -hmm. We should do a street fighter, street fighter deathmatch. I'm down. Yeah. But just that for 2020. Yeah, well, I mean, by the time we get it done, <laughs> dank wooly monsters. Um, so yeah, we should talk about the one show because it was the entire motorcycle industry. Quentin was in our backyard for like the like the one time of the year where we don't have to go to the motorcycle industry. The motorcycle industry came to us. You no, know, it's it's Portland's Super Bowl. Can I say Super Bowl on the? On, am I? Are we you, you're using fine? words you don't understand. Let's well, just be I don't fair. watch hockey, but you know, I know the Super Bowl yeah, is a big deal. Yeah. You, you know who watched the Super Bowl by his lonesome because none of his Portland friends follow ball and stick sports? This guy. Really? And yeah. you you gave a shit to the It was team? a good game. You oh. missed a good game. Oh. It was really good right to the end. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So the uh one show is There's like a kitten bowl. I'm surprised you don't watch the it, kitten, the kitten bowl. bowl. I saw bits and pieces of that while I was at a restaurant. I was super excited because like, oh, there's puppies and then there's kittens. I was happy. Yeah. Um Big deal. A lot of people here. Apparently, seventeen thousand. Wow, I didn't know. That, I didn't hear any numbers. That is the the number I heard. Now, that, there's the question. I saw the people with the clickers as I was going. With Alto, I think that's a, more fire code. I is it? Yeah, I, it, I know what it is for fire. Okay, code. well, but that's the question: is are they using that clicker data for more than that? I'm sure they're doing tickets sold. You would think because so. that's the thing they can actually do tickets sold this year. This was the first year you had oh, to yeah. pay a gate fee sure. to go see the one show. And I was really worried that that was going to hurt attendance. Nah. I came out Saturday at like 2 o'clock, It was busier than I've ever seen it. There was a waiting line to get in. Yep. It went out the parking lot, uh -huh. made a right up the block towards the train tracks, Yep. made a left at the train tracks into whatever industrial yep. complex that was, did not see the end of the line. But I'm no, like, legitimately, that had to at least be an hour or two wait. Yeah, to get into the show, it's obnoxious, and so, I thought it would. I thought it would curb that a good, little bit. Good on the one show people. You're printing money. My hat tips to you because yeah. capitalism is great. I'm I'm pretty sure that Tor is probably looking at the last couple of years, saying, "God damn it, we could have mitigated so much of the cost of this." No, well, I I think you have to build it up before you can start charging something like that. Like he if you started the one show from day zero with an eight dollar cover to get in. Oh, no, it wouldn't have been. How many people show up? But five years ago, he could have. I remember Maybe. the first time Maybe. that I saw the line around the block at the at the southeast location. I was like, oh, this has gone off the hook. And it's continued to get bigger and bigger, right? So good on tour. Good on this whole CC crew. And then interesting that he also, the at the Supercross the week before... Had got he's does a they had done a thing with CC and Fox Gear, mm -hmm. um, where they kind of co do a, a deal. Well, there was Kenny, I call him Kenny Rocky Balls Roxon with a CC jersey racing Supercross, and it wasn't just the Fox thing, it was the CC symbol. It's like, fuck me, running that's gnarly to get to that point where a huge, like almost NASCAR level person is wearing your symbol. Deal. That's that's a big deal, and I think that'll that is going to just further the brand, um, and that's awesome for Portland. It's awesome for Tour. It's awesome for the every aspect of it, right? What I thought was really cool is we saw a couple. 
it's not just the show anymore, I should say. It, it's now becoming kind of like a Portland-wide thing where uh, Ducati and Motor Corsa had a thing with the Panigale V4. We yeah. had the, there's always been the flat track down in Salem. Yep. And it's starting to become like a, I think a couple of the clubs had stuff going on. But there, uh, industry Abate people had a weird thing going on. Yeah, and industry people like uh, I think even Revit might have had their meeting for people to their see their product up here. Yeah, right. And th- that would be the smart thing if you were smart. You'd say, okay, manufacturer of X, Y, or Z. Why don't we just have everybody come to this? Because everybody's coming to this. It's cool to see. Like it's almost like a Portland Motorcycle Week with the one show as kind of like the crown jewel that brings it all together. Yeah. And I hope that's something that that continues as a trend. Like dealers get on board more um, with things to do. Maybe some of the local brands have open houses. Pop like you. You know, we made the joke earlier in the show about a pop up. But you know, like there are some the, some <laughs> that brands was a that dick are doing joke. like Jensen. That was a dick joke. Yeah, I, know was, I, I, know, I know. I know. I know. It was an joke. erection. I know it was a dick joke. I'm trying to class the shit up here. All right. You know, I got. <laughs> okay. So pop ups everywhere. I got to sell some ads, Quentin. We got to make this shit classy. classy <laughs> pop up ads? <laughs> classy as fuck. Um, uh, I'd like to see what the vision of the pop up ad on the asphalt and rubber, if it if it comes up like a boner. Doing. No, that's Cycle World. <laughs> oh, oh, advertising burn. Oh, <laughs> that's right. That's why I don't go to Cycle World's website because I don't want that. I can't yes. pull it up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those poor people that have to deal with that. That sucks. Dude, quick aside, crazy times in the motorcycle industry right now. Oh, yeah. On the what? media side, crazy times. Again? More? Uh, motorcycle.com is about to lose their number one and number two people. This will be something we will already have reported on by the time this show comes out. Who are uh, they? Sean Alexander and Kevin Duke. Oh, God. They left? Or they're they're were... gone. Um, uh, Riders Domain just let go of a lot of people. Yep. Um, there's a lot of, there was a lot of talk at the one show about what's going on at Bonnier. And nothing, nothing made me sick. Nothing I heard made me think that those are magazines that are around a year from now. Wow. Which is crazy to think about. Just crazy. So this is a landscape. Uh, I mean, I've, I've talked about it a lot. Like this is like, there's a lot of consolidation. There's a lot of changes. There's a lot of upheaval. We're really seeing all these kind of brands struggling to figure out what web 3.0 looks like facebook just changed its <laughs> algorithm yeah uh, has it has it as it as it pertains to news so I, I know from my perspective that's definitely changed how much uh traffic and where the traffic comes from i'm lucky that anr has never been that dependent on facebook traffic to begin with yeah uh, we get a lot most of our traffic is direct, which is people like bookmarking it. So thank you to all of you that are doing that. You're keeping my unborn children likely to go to college. Um, but, you know, for the brands that have invested heavily in their Facebook presence, they're getting a hard bait and switch right now. Oof. And it's going to be it's going to be rough because I know there's a couple publications that are it's they're just paying money to Facebook to get traffic in return. And that just that spigot just got turned off. So it's crazy, 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 so crazy if, times. So if I post something, I've, I was wondering about this because for some reason, I post up a picture of the Moto Sizz propped up against a, yeah. uh, a dumpster yeah. that I had after I had ridden it on the set of Wall Street. And this Theater. is on the Two Enthusiast page. Yeah. yeah. And, and it just started getting all kinds of clicks and likes, more than in, uh, most of our posts, like by a long shot. I was like... Kind of weirded out by it. I get it. It's a weird bike. It's interesting. There's a story, whatever. But it still was like, what's going on here? And I thought about, well, 
if I was going to boost, quote unquote, boost a post, if you own a page, it'll get, they, they poke you, they want you to boost, then that would probably be one. Because then if I'm already, if it's already kind of boiling, then all right, you pay the five bucks and see what sticks, right? But I still, part of me is like, eh, whatever. I don't want that. It's like buying Instagram likes or, you know, figuring uh, I'm legit. I, I'm authentic. I don't need to do that. And I don't think we need to do that. We'll just keep on flowing along. But that's the question is, where is the algorithm in Facebook? Where Would it be smart to do that? Would it get to people that would otherwise not see it because of the algorithm being against uh, entities like Two Enthusiasts Podcast or, right? If they're saying, all right, we're going to give more friends and family, less advertisers. You know, how, how does one navigate that world? Yeah, when you find out the, the answer, let me know. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, it's it's... Well, we could see it though. There's no investment. It would well, there would be return on investment in your brain would be I boost the post. I see that it's already hot. I boost the post, and people that already would normally have seen it, maybe they're, they're it's just already going to be out in their faces. But then it starts getting into the realm of other people that have liked the enthusiast podcast, but otherwise don't check it or don't look at it or don't give a shit. But all of a sudden it goes into their algorithm, and then boom, what we get you know, 10,000 likes and clicks and click, I don't know, whatever it would be. Say, say a factor of 10, we get, instead of a hundred, we get a thousand likes. Does that matter? I don't certainly don't. What, what does it fucking matter yeah. for us? Are we going to get more listeners? Right. Or are you just right. going to get more people that listen to us clicking like, and does it really matter? This is, this is one of the things that, that drives me a little crazy. Um, this is like a basic marketing issue and I, and I see it with other publications. Like a great example. There's a couple Sport Rider. Sport Rider is a great example. They have like 2.3 million likes or followers on Facebook, right? Seriously? Because because Bonnier promoted the crap out of the, the publication on Facebook and built up a huge audience on Facebook for it. Now, I don't know demographically where those Facebook followers are from. I do know it is extremely cheaper to get followers from Thailand and Malaysia and India than it is from the UK, <laughs> Canada, in the yeah. United States. So I know from from metrics that asphalt and rubber does. Oh man, it depends like which numbers you want to believe. At the at the worst, we do double their traffic. At the best, we do five times their traffic. And that's with oh, my and, that, and this was like when I had like twenty thousand or thirty thousand people. So I literally had like 1% of the following that they had on Facebook. Yeah. Yet my traffic was dwarfing them by a magnitude of difference. And it's this idea of that's great. So you posted up that that photo. Like like this is a great example. Like your photo example is a great one because that does nothing to yep. drive traffic back to listening to the show where yep. our advertisers would be sure. where we would get paid. It's or, basically preaching to the choir. Or a metric that I could actually use and be like, hey, this show got 4,000 yep, plays. Sure. Come come, sign up and be with us because it's awesome. Yeah, um, People love it. Now it builds brand, it builds awareness, and maybe in the long term it has value, but in the very short term it really doesn't. And I see a couple of these publications and I, and I pick on Sportwriter because – is this idea like I can't imagine how much money they dropped on that? Like it had to be tens of thousands, if not maybe like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, geez, you think that much? It could be like I could see that legitimately being a hundred thousand dollars, maybe to get the millions to of get followers. that two point three million or whatever it was. And you just kind of sit there and you're like, and how much traffic did that bring you? I don't know because I don't have access to that information, but I do know that the total number was still significantly less than me with. 1% of their audience 
putting zero budget into it. So either I, I just, I was going to say like either I'm doing it wrong or they're just really bad at it, but like, no, there's just no way. <laughs> there's just no way. There's just no way that makes sense that that ROI makes sense. Now I've had, I've talked to a couple other colleagues who do the same kind of thing and they're like, well, it's not just the person that shows up and I get the ad impression, but like maybe they subscribe to the newsletter. Maybe they get more engaged with the brand. Maybe they become a long time, you know, it's customer acquisition. So now like, yeah, they came in, it cost me $5 or whatever it was to get them to come and read the site. But now they, they come to the site every day. Like I've made a new customer out of it and they look at it from that perspective. And that kind of makes sense from where I've always sat though, the money side of it just didn't it was just too upside down where for every dollar you're spending you're making a penny and you're just kind of like eh, that doesn't really ever break even sure so unless you're trying to make the brand say in our case it would just be trying to get legitimate followers or people that are that like to listen to us and right get our little window and, into and the world you just said it legitimate followers that didn't even get into the whole like i'm playing the crazy game of getting a bunch of people in bangladesh yeah. to follow it and we're like great how many bangladeshis are reading asphalt and rubber yeah. Like, yeah, okay, so they liked our page, and I can say I have 2.3 million followers, but if all of them are in Southeast Asia, my American advertisers don't care. And there's just not enough money coming out of the Southeast Asian market for an English-speaking site to make it worthwhile. And you have to assume that it's fake. And then there's an element of that like where it's just straight-up fake. And, and so we use SoundCloud as our platform. It is so easy to fake SoundCloud plays which is why I have it set up on a third party because we don't, obviously we don't do any of that nonsense. There is other podcasts in our space that do, mm. and it is very noticeable. So that's why I have a third party tracker. So when the advertiser says, did you really get 4,000 plays? I go, here I do. Here's the number one analytics for podcasts that exactly confirm our numbers down to like a variance of like 12 plays. Holy shit. As is, opposed to is, if you did the same thing with another podcast. For $50, Quentin, I can get 50,000 plays on an episode. I mean, that's so cheap. It's it's such an easy number to fake. It's fake news. It's clear. And but that's and that's one of the things that's that's becoming an issue. And we just saw this in mainstream media where we saw reporters, and I'm gonna get the publications wrong, so I apologize. This isn't me trying to be libelous or well, technically I guess this would be slanderous, but it isn't me trying to me to be but it was like <laughs> the CNN lawyers talking or New York Times or USA Today. I mean, we're talking top and tier major major news Washington Post, maybe reporters who had paid for Twitter followers, fake Twitter followers. And, and how one exposed that a lot of these publications didn't have anything in their ethical guidelines about that. This is new because it, cause it's almost new. Would you say too, it's, it's web 3.0 web 3.0? Um, but it was also just the idea of like, like so much, um, so much of our authority as, as publications and as journalists is now being measured and determined by how many followers we have to the point that it was like to be taken seriously. I need to have 60,000 followers on Twitter or 20,000 followers on Twitter. So I'm going to bump that number up because then I get taken more seriously. And then and, you'll and, actually and, get and, legitimate people after and, that. And to bring it into, <clears throat> into the motorcycle realm where it's like, I've definitely had uh, brands or um, OEMs look at our social media uh, follower accounts along with our page accounts in terms of, who to pick to come to a press launch for a new sure, bike. Sure. And so then that, that, that right there creates this incentive of like, well, 
if I have the 2.3 million Facebook followers, that makes a lot more sense for Sportwriter to be invited to a press launch, even though there's two other Bonnier publications there with them. Until they go out of business. Instead of a Jensen Beeler, because I literally have, I literally have 1% of the Facebook following that they do. I think now it's like 2%. Yeah. But still. But you're also still in business and Sportwriter Magazine is no longer. Well, there's that. Right. There's that so. too. And at the end of the day, when when you see how many people comment on the post and interact with the site and like there are certain platforms like Twitter, it's it's a little bit more difficult to get followers on Twitter. Um, and especially compared to say Instagram or Facebook and then SoundCloud's like the worst. SoundCloud's just so easy. Um, so it's like, it's really interesting to see some of these brands where it's like, I have 2.3 million people on Facebook, but I only have like 10,000 on Twitter. And you're like, huh? Interesting. <laughs> One of those is really easy to purchase. The other one's a little bit more difficult. Interesting. Hmm. But and, you know that's something that's in the space, and that's and and there's other ways of doing it with with traffic. There's a publication or two that I can think of that was generating fake traffic, where it was just computer bots in India, and you pay them like a thousand bucks, and like a million computers in India just ping your server, and it looks like bot, you have bot, like bot, 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 yeah, it looks bot. like you had two million people show up to your website. And then like, oh, hey, look at all this. I'm getting tons of traffic. I get tons of traffic. And it's like, well, that's weird that all your traffic comes from India. Hmm. Oh, your site ranks really well in India. I wonder why that is. Hmm. Hmm. So there's a lot of ways like that the media landscape is changing, good, bad, or otherwise. And we're kind of seeing like, you know, some of these brands that are doing these less than honest tactics, like, you know, it's really short-term gains. And, you know, some of them are closing down and stuff's going yeah, weird. Yeah, it's not tenable. Yep. It's going to be clear. Right? And you look at some of these like metrics and you see like, huh, so like you went from like, like why did 80% of your traffic disappear after that one month? That's weird. That's right around the same time that media manager left and like policies changed. Uh, I wonder if that's fake mm. traffic. It's mm. weird. It's very strange. All right. Well, it's worthwhile chatting about for sure. Yeah. Mm. We went down a rabbit hole on that one. Um, are we done with the one show? I think I think I had a one show story that we were going to use to springboard into something else. So here's here's a here's a rough transition, but I went out to dinner this week with with some industry stalwarts, and we're around younger younger folks. I would say like our generation of motorcyclist, uh, as opposed to like say like the baby boomer generation. So yep, got it. A little bit more hip, not not millennials, but you know, Gen Xers almost. Yeah, uh, and it was interesting because we're sitting around talking as you do. And someone brought up the I, the what's going on in Formula One right now, which is that basically Formula One has banned its umbrella girls. And and you know, and we made a <clears throat> a lurid post about it and got a lot of interesting reactions. You made a lurid post I about it. it. I sat on the sidelines with my popcorn, being like, "This is really interesting. Yeah, this sure. is interesting." I mean, for me, it's it's a really it's an interesting conversation. I'm going to have to superimpose the meme of Michael Jackson with the popcorn with your face. Because I think you'd look really good with that hair. <laughs> Just like the buzz cut? No, Michael Jackson with the... Oh, it, Michael it's Jackson. A, it's, a thir- it's a thriller. Right. He's, a, right, he's the, in the right, movie theater right. a thriller. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought you said Michael Jordan for some reason. No, I was no. like, sad Jordan? No. That's no. a different meme. Is it? Yeah. Oh God. You gotta get out. I know you're like, probably a class. I on know memes you now. just got woke and now like the <laughs> like memes are a thing in your lexicon and your world. <laughs> so, you oh. know, I'm really it's really happy to see like mm-hmm. like baby Quentin learn how to walk mm-hmm. on the internet. But yeah, uh set, my gonna, favorite like, my favorite up. meme, by the way, would be the the little kid with the the fist and just being stoked. Oh and, yeah, he's like right? he's like a little Scottish kid. Maybe. Isn't he? 
I don't know, but he's he's stoked and he's like, you usually just say, we're right under Just bikes. did something really awesome. Stoked. Yeah, I know what you're, yeah that's right. wow, that's like 1996. Uh huh. Um, baby memes. Cool. So that's right, where that's so where Quentin's at. All these all these people were talking. Uh, so we're talking, and it was interesting to hear the perspective because because these were people in the industry that that actually deal in the nitty gritty with actually hiring promo girls, uh, all, hiring all umbrella men, girls. By the way, every single one of them men. Yes. Yep. Yes. Of course. Um, <laughs> just ho- hold on. Hold on to your social justice warrior hat. <laughs> we're getting there. Okay. Let me get through the basics. Yeah, I just want to make sure it's clear. Oh, hold on to your pitchfork, Quentin. It's not time yet. <laughs> uh, but it was interesting to to hear the perspective at the table because these are these are I would say men that that touch this part of the industry and have a little bit more it's phrasing. <laughs> phrasing? We're we not doing phrasing. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know if we're not doing it or not. <laughs> But it was interesting to hear their perspective, at least as as men that are educated and aware of what that landscape actually looks like. And of course, the conversation then turns to, well, how you know, what do we think about this for the motorcycle industry? What do we think about this for for MotoGP and and so on and so forth? And the conversation um, kind of goes the way you would expect it to, with with um, why why does it have to change? I like the way it is. <laughs> Which and I, I meant to look up the name of the comedian. He's Australian. He does oh, this yeah. great bit about yeah. gun control. Yeah, he's and, amazing. Oh, what's uh, his name? There's someone, I don't there's someone it, yelling at us but right it's now. One of the best. And his and whole his whole thing was just like, why can't you just say I like guns? And I think that's kind of like the the umbrella girl argument kind of comes down to is just like, why can't we just say I like boobs? I like it. I like girls that are that are scandally clad. I like it. And that's why I want it, because I like it. But it is interesting. It is an interesting conversation, I think, that the industry is really at a cross-section with now because I think there's enough new blood in the industry that isn't, let's say, as rah-rah about having umbrella girls and having that be a part of motorcycling and a part of the sport. But there's still enough of the old guard that's like, I like boobs. I like I like umbrella girls. I don't think there's an issue here. I don't think it's misogynistic. I don't think it's objectifying women. I don't think it's any of these things that the libtards say it is. And that wasn't the phrasing we used at the dinner table. Yeah, but, but it's pretty much that's, it's that's kind it. of the phrasing that yeah. was used on the Facebook page. Yeah. But there is that kind of like, it's an interesting back and forth. And um, I thought it was very interesting that Dorna, Carmelo Esbaleta, kind of came out. I forget what publication it was. Was it the the Gazette? I don't know. Um, I have to go look it up. But he basically said, like, Umbrella Girls aren't going anywhere in MotoGP. Which is kind of interesting to hear from a Spanish company where, like, domestic abuse is, like, one of the biggest issues that country faces and... There's a whole lot of things. What do you know there. with a? No, I won't. I won't say any before. But yeah, th- I'd say that's par for the course. I'm not surprised even in the least. But here's here's the deal. I I think a lot of people are missing this, and and generally everybody's like, well, these people that do this want to be there. They're they're hired. They're paid from a. I don't know from a consumer standpoint, from a from a capitalist standpoint, blah blah blah. And that blah. was and that was one of the arguments that was made at the dinner table is not only are they they hired and they get paid, they are paid extremely yeah, well. All about they're they're all like this is a good extremely thing, blah blah blah. blah. Well. The 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 women aren't objectified there, blah blah blah. I, whatever whatever that that's not the point. I don't think for for most people 
I don't, I would assume you're aware of my stance on this. I think you brought this up to me years ago, literally years ago. You said it to me, like, I don't think this is a very good idea. And I think at the time I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I like boobs, right? I like my right? boobs. Since we, since then we've discovered Quentin's an ass man. So maybe that's changed your perspective <laughs> on the ass. issue. So I, of course, have changed my tune greatly over the past few years. I've gotten to see this a little bit clear and I've gotten it explained to me by women. Would you say you're woke? I am. I've, I've woke up on this, right? So... <laughs> I, <laughs> I've gotten the, the, here's the deal. Most, most people, I think that go to the races, you know, for us, it's just part of the thing. You, we don't even notice it. Andrew just, Wheeler, a photographer, Andrew Wheeler calls it the pageantry. Ah, it's part of the pageantry, right? Okay. Fair enough. That's if you're going to kind of sugarcoat it like that, the women who are freaked out by it and, or take umbrage with it, point out that there's the I, idyllic what what I'd say was be the motorcycle world's idyllic or car world's idyllic woman, which would be tall. You mean the male fantasy? Yeah, maybe yeah. for some male uh, males it would be tall, I guess, big boobs, butt, skin, scantily clad, voluptuous, long hair. Doesn't matter what color hair, but generally whatever. So <clears throat> that um, is already a, a a very difficult thing in society. You have to. Uh, as a woman mold to that and you have to base everything uh, or even your own self-value over the I need to look like that and that's where a lot of people um, uh, take umbrage with it they're like I I think that's horrible that not only are they um, vaulting the people that are umbrella women umbrella girls I mean that's the that's another part of just the just the name that they come with, umbrella girls. That is the, the nomenclature. That is what people call the preferred nomenclature, dude. Dude, uh, instead of saying um, umbrella women, it's umbrella girls. So it's already demeaning. Then you put them in scantily clad, and they're just the ones just just hold the umbrella. Well, it's a very important thing. Yeah, I get it, but they're not racing. And I think that's another thing that uh, the other point that uh, most women would come up with is that we want to see women in point, uh, positions of power or the racers or crew chiefs or et cetera, et cetera. Not just the thing that's there, the thing, the object to look good that's holding the umbrella for the male racer. And a, a lot of people are like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. This, those women want to do it. No, it's not about the women that are doing it. They're all fine. They're Not all of them. They, I get it. In fact, most because of them. Because I have definitely seen umbrella girls manhandled and. It's horrible quasi-sexually sure. assaulted okay so they're not all fine by their employers but a lot of them are okay with it and they will say that and sure. even the, even if they're not brainwashed by that they're just a part of the thing because it's part of the pageantry they're totally stoked with it okay i get it and i'm i'm stoked that they're stoked but the women that have to, that get to go to the races but then have to be subjected to seeing that aren't stoked and that is what is some excluding of them are. some of them are. I know, no doubt. There's a lot of people. Oh, I like that's part of the pageantry. I get it, but most woke women don't want to see that because they don't want to be part of that pageantry. They think it's just furthering yeah. the um, the patriarchy, right? Yeah. So, so I've I got two things on that. One, I hate the word woke. I will hate that word until my dying day. Two, awake the the most in. Like people, always, uh, 
that was one of the things I noticed on the Facebook um, post that you did and the, and the conversation there. And it's something I see in the comment section on my site and the conversations I have with people in the industry is they talk about the, the, the women um, who are both the, the actors being the, the umbrella girls or the promo girls and also women who are racers or women who are enthusiasts who are fine with it. And they say, hey, I'm fine with it, so this is fine. And my response to that be would be that like your opinion is absolutely welcomed and needed and it's a and it's a counterpoint voice to the overwhelmingly male dominated voice in the motorcycle industry. And if you say that you're fine with it, that is a great data point. But the most important voice on this issue is the voice that we almost never go find because it's difficult to find. And it's the women who aren't interested in motorcycles the women who aren't interested in motorcycle racing. And you can take this idea one step further back on, on a larger issue of getting motorcyclists or, or potential motorcyclists or non-motorcyclists into the sport and into this industry. Yep. We shouldn't be going around collecting data from already made motorcyclists, so people who already yep. own a motorcycle or already sure. drank the Kool-Aid or already in the industry. Maybe they don't have a bike, but they're into bikes. We need to look at and talk to the people who aren't into it and figure it out why they're not into it. Is it because motorcycles aren't safe? Is it that perception of danger? Is it they're not convenient? Is it they're too expensive? I have to buy it on credit. I don't have good credit. I have debt. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, shrink it back down. Why don't we have more women? Because like for me, motorcycling, the motorcycle and gender issue, or the motorcycle and women issue is such like a great, like, like here's the pitch. I'm not like a sales guy. I'm not like a biz dev guy, but this would be my pitch. Hey, Quentin, I got a great way that you can double your sales. Would you like to double your sales? I would. I, I really would. want to. I've got a really easy way that you can double your sales. And all you got to do is just make your product appeal to women because your sport or your thing that you sell is 86% male dominator right now. And there's no reason why it couldn't be 50-50. They're just, they're just really, that sounds like a great deal, they're just, Jensen. They're just, How can I double it? Like a pair of boobs. Right. Like they're just, I want to double D this. It's just such an easy way for us to like, just Ugh. pad our ranks so much more effectively. <laughs> and part of that, and that, and that's where I come at the, the, did you say pad? pad? I just said boobs and you said pad. pad. Wow. Come on, man. We are just T-balling it up, <laughs> which is, again, it's a sport you just know nothing about. <laughs> just nothing. You're just a babe. But I don't get a social justice worry. And that's another phrase I don't probably like a lot, but I like to use it with you. you so just it works it. out. Um, get the SJW. Like, I, I think I could get into that argument with you a, a lot more easily, but I don't even think we need to go there because for me, it's just, this is, this is a no brainer way. Like what do we gain by continuing to use umbrella girls and, and um, use women in the industry the way that we do? Are are men going to stop going to races if if let's say we've we've actually seen a couple of the Spanish rounds uh, get rid of grid girls um, really in yeah. MotoGP uh, yeah uh, I'm trying Hareth for sure Catalonia maybe as well huh um, it's actually been kind of interesting to see the dichotomy on the Spanish side of the sport huh. um, I'd never heard of this I didn't know that happened yeah I meant to do a story on it last year and I don't think I got to it okay uh, I think maybe kind of like death match you're just like yeah whatever. People don't want to hear this. I'm a busy guy. All right. I got a lot, I got a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, maybe if someone picked up the slack on editing some podcasts, <laughs> I don't know. How, how, <laughs> how much cake do you want to have and eat it too? 
Oh. But um, where was it going? You totally sidetracked me. The Spanish. Spanish. So, so it would be interesting to see, like, let's say Coda this year just decides on its own that we're not going to have grid girls. Let's, American market. The Bastion. America in Texas. In Texas. Yeah. Like, the, just the sweet spot of this issue. Let's say they, they, they banned it and the Red Bull girls weren't there and the Monster girls weren't Who's there. Who's not going to show up? You know, so that race pulls in attendance-wise like 125,000. I would argue that you don't even see it drop to 124. I don't think I don't think even one percent of people say, "Oh, now I'm not going to the races." And truth be told, even if they did, I'm fine with that. Oh, you were only coming for the scantily clad girls. Yep. Uh, hey, hey, buddy, I got a great idea. Don't spend the sixty, eighty bucks, or whatever it is, for a MotoGP ticket right down by the track, just on your way back in the towns, the landing strip. I don't even think they have a cover on Sundays. I think you can just go right Why don't in. You just go there. Twenty bucks on strippers, sure. and you're good to go. And maybe you should ask them if they and can you get put the see, MotoGP on TV. Yeah, you get to see way more. It's seriously called the landing. It's strip. literally called the landing strip. It's right by the airport. God, it's right on the main road thing to get back into town. Yeah, fair enough. Um, right, pick up some advertising if you like the if you like the podcast, guys. <laughs> but but it's just that idea. Like like even if you lost those people, it's like so you're not really GP fans. You're just scantily girl scantily clad girl fans. I don't think I think. You know, maybe there's going to be some racers and they talk about it, or not racers, but race fans that talk about like, oh, you know, it was was better when we had the grid girls. Like maybe, but you're still going to show up and see the sport. So that's to me, like that's the detriment. Okay. That's worst case scenario. Yep. Those people are maybe unhappy. Some of them don't show up. Maybe that's okay because they're not real race fans after all. And some of the photographers then don't get to sell some of the images they have of the grid. Uh, like, I don't think that many right? photographers are selling grid girl photos, to be honest. Does it so, so that's TV? The, so that's maybe the detriment. A, so maybe that, there's a TV thing, though. Maybe, oh, there's no, 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 no the pageantry's no, not there. No, 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 but just look at the net net. So that, that's the negative. That's the detriment. The positive is, though, what we have to gain from it is that 50% sale I, just, I was just telling you about. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, now we've made it the paddock a little bit more family friendly. Now we've made the paddock a little bit more female friendly. Now maybe your wife wants to come with you to the race when before she didn't or didn't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Now that non-motorcyclist, the person that we're most importantly need to go after and bring into the sport if we want to have motorcycling survive. Now maybe that person starts to become interested in it. And to me, that is a huge trade. I take that trade any day of the week, twice on Sunday, three times on my birthday. Because I, that's just that's the whole kitten caboodle. I agree, kitten caboodle. So we don't I have to kittens. get in. We don't have to get into like the social justice warrior aspect of it. We can just look at it from just just. This is another sports term you're not gonna like. It's just the unforced error of it. It's an unforced error. Like we're just we're shooting ourselves in the foot for not like a really good reason. Like like make some stances on certain things. You don't like spec tire roll. That's fine. Let's yeah. let's talk about spec tires. Sure. You don't like spec electronics. You don't like how all the bikes are basically four cylinders with 81 millimeter bores and blah, 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 blah. And aerodynamics yeah, look yeah. all weird. Okay. I get that. That makes, that makes like a palpable difference. This doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't, but boy, did it create so much vitriol, because, right? Because we like boobs, Quentin. But that, I mean, that's and it, what it comes back to. I like my that boobs. That was the fascinating part of watching it. Uh, not only on the two enthusiasts, but there was a couple other, the main one was a, a very deep industry person, a woman posted up same thing. Like, this is great news. And this is a, a very smart, very capable, very awesome person posted it up. And the amount of misogynistic, shitty, stupid, also ran assholes that were commenting was like, wow, I have, this, 
just it's it's proving the fucking point right it proved the point just by virtue of what happened i'll do right? you one better i'll do you one better i've been doing this for almost 10 years now i've only gotten one death threat in my entire career and it is over this issue <laughs> that is how crazy this is that's how crazy <laughs> what was this the situation is? with it what what where was i the wrote di- a story that that advocated basically the things i just told you yeah and the person decided to email me and said, you need to shut the fuck up or I'm going to shut you up for you. That is so gross. But again, par for the course. I mean, part of it's resistance to change. Part of it is, is this struggle that motorcycling is going through. We know we talked about, we just talked about the media landscape and how it's changing. Part of that change is because there's an old guard that doesn't understand the new world in the sense that you can't run a print publication online like a print publication yeah you can't have 50 people working in an office producing less than 10 online stories a day like that's what i look at i look at a couple of the brands that are failing or a couple of brands that are struggling and it's like work product rise you guys put out fewer or similar number of stories than i do with my staff which is a tenth of your size and it's just like you just can't operate like you were before. You can't have a photo editor. You can't have a dedicated copy editor. You can't have like this is your new world. Interns that just, you know, do XYZ where it's just like, you know what? Like people need to be multidisciplinarian. Uh, uh, evolution is not survival of the fittest, it is survival of the adapters, right? So if you can adapt to it, then you'll survive. It's not the fittest. So, and th- this is a perfect use case for that, right? So I, I look at it in the same terms of that, where it's yep. it's this struggle that we have of like, you know, if you if you grew up in the '40s and '50s, and what you understood as even the even the feminist movement, even if you were like a feminism 1.0 movement, feminism in itself and the and the the women's movement has changed so radically just in the last 20, 30 years that you've probably gotten left behind. Even if you were part of the first wave, the second wave has come and now the third wave has come and it's different. And most and people so, don't even know. They're, they're like, what's an intersectional feminist? Like, well, I don't even know what that, I just know ERA. Like, ooh, you need to read some more because there's a lot that's gone on, right? And, that's, and I think that's part of what the Me Too movement is. And that's obviously what has spurred Formula One and and this, this entire dialogue. And this is Formula One. This is... I'd say the arguably the most watched thing on the, earth, the right? Most, one of the most watched things, but also understand that the female demographic for Formula One fans is significantly higher than the female demographic for MotoGP fans. So they have yeah. more of a vested interest already. That's they already awesome. see the dollars. They already have the eyeballs. We're like, and, and actually the NFL is having to learn this the same way. Fantasy football has changed American football in such a strong way that it has brought in <laughs> so many... You laugh, Quentin, but it's brought in so many female fans to the sport yeah. that now the sports, like it used to be like you couldn't even get I'm a not ladies laughing at the female f- fans. I'm just laughing at that there's fantasy anything that makes any money. You know it's what? like there's, video games. There's fantasy motorcycle racing too. So don't I know, laugh too hard. And it just blows my mind. But it's this idea that like the sport changed or the, the, the culture around the sport changed. Yeah. That now the NFL is like, oh yeah, we need to have lady cut jerseys because now ladies are showing up. Now we're seeing because of fantasy, this fantasy football thing, and and it really is true. If you're like, hey, my husband, my boyfriend, my brother, my sure. roommate does this thing, I'm gonna do it too. And actually, hey, this was actually a lot of fun. 
and it got me watching the games. Now I'm like, now that I know the players and I know the sport and I know the thing, now I'm really engaged because let's be honest, football is an engaging sport. It is literally built for TV. They take TV breaks. It is 10 second plays that like are encapsulated movements that like, okay, I got to watch for 10 seconds. Okay. And I can get back to my phone. <laughs> what is it exactly engaging? It's just it's not it's, engaging me. It's an engaging sport. I bet, I bet we sit you down with a good close football game. You get engaged with it. I've watched it's the same thing. hundreds upon hundreds of fucking football games. My parents are very maybe, much into maybe it. Maybe you being That's from Texas, from, the, nor, the dorky kid from Texas might have the visceral reaction yeah, to It's not engaging football. at all, at all. But for the majority of Americans, it is. And that's that's the thing. That's why it is the most popular sport on TV in America, hands down, hands down. It's a huge, it's a huge bit of business, and they're it, starting to it, realize that they it, need to it, bend towards. Well, the, I think I think they started realizing that women started showing up, and they're like, "Hey, if we want this, is actually really good for us." We're starting to see because what do you know? They're buying apparel and they're buying fifty percent of the population. Fifty percent of the population. I, we're literally doubling our sales. Oh my god, what do we do? <laughs> And then they're like, hey, they got on board, like the good capitalists How that they are. How long do you think it will be before there are no uh, cheerleaders? I think those days are numbered. But we, you notice that um, the cheerleaders, I, I've noticed this more in basketball than I have in football. But I've seen this thing now where like we have cheerleaders and then we have dance squad. Yeah, sure. And I feel like the dance squad is like the olive branch to the yeah. to the female audience. We're like, these girls, I mean, they're not scantily clad, but they kind uh, of not are. Not as much. Not as much. Sure. It's not it's less TNA and it's more like chic sporty, if I can make that that fine line sporty definition. Spice. Yeah, okay. But it is like, but they're athletic. They're going out there like, oh wow, that girl just did like a triple flip and that was impressive. And like they're Absolutely. doing the whole thing. And, sure. That's that's when somebody brought up. Well, what do you what do you think cheerleaders are? Ah, there's a significant amount more skill it takes to be a cheerleader or a dancer, whatever that is, than standing with an umbrella, right? So it's not even in the same scope to me. Uh, it, right? For me, it's like you went from Coca Cola to RC Coke. You're yeah, still in the no, same I, nexus, but like it's it's water to champagne to me. I think yeah. it's a huge difference, right? I still I, I think you're right. I think cheerleaders, I think that's gonna be a harder fought thing because it is a part of the institution. It's and it takes take a, a little severe bit amount of skill and time and energy and effort and physicality to, to 50, be a cheerleader and or a dancer. Fifty years right? from now, I don't think we have cheerleaders though. Thirty years from now, maybe we don't. Fun fact, I grew I up know. in a in a town in Texas with a football team, Texas AM, that doesn't have cheerleaders because it was a core of cadets and they have yell leaders. And there was always an air of homoeroticness to the whole thing compared to the rest of the football world where there were cheerleaders. So there was none. And it was a very interesting dynamic. And I don't know where they're at with that now, but I always thought it was an interesting thing that Texas A&M didn't have cheerleaders, but the irony of this horrible conservative gnarly environment not having the the thing that they that most other places use right and an interesting example texas a&m ain't struggling in terms of getting people to show up to football games no they're not cheerleaders they just spent half a billion dollars on their football field and yet their school is just kind of bleh. It's it's unreal. Oh, yeah. We're gonna get so much hate mail from A and M fans. Oh now. no, it's not just A and M. It's it's most large institutions. All the money goes hey, no. gets funneled into this hey, stupid. I went, I went to Penn State. I got my grad degrees from Penn State. I I one hundred percent know what it looks like when a school is incredibly institutionally to its detriment even <laughs> invested in its football program. Pedophilically. Yeah, like you want to go back to Thriller with Michael Jackson <laughs> and the popcorn, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's a pedophile joke in there somewhere, my friend. Oh God, pedo bears <laughs> everywhere. I, one of the funniest and it's horrible. One of the funniest things I ever saw was where they had the the pedo bear, bear done up like the Nittany. <laughs> was it the Nittany Lion? Is that your thing? And I was just like, "Fuck you!" Oh, all of that was so awful. Anyway, but that's it. That's that's our, our landscape in the USA. Now, one thing I'll say: somebody brought up the fact is like, now will nobody be able to hold the umbrellas? I'm like, you know what? That is a good point. If a woman was dressed like all the crew members same same dress like not as provocative but of course and something that made was comfortable and and fit to them whatever but not necessarily in the scantily clad maybe then it would be a bit of the as you'd say an olive branch it does sound a little bit smarmy that it would be like well you're gonna cause these people to only look a very specific way but if there were men and women and and if you had multiples and there was a little bit of a balance with it maybe i could see that I, or you think it just needs to go away completely i love actually the formula one's response to it because they're gonna have little kids hold the umbrellas oh right okay i so forgot for about me, that yeah for me like that's great like super awesome how great would it be to be the kid in the stand and see that one year and be like I want to do that. That looks awesome. That, that, that little cool. boy or that little girl yep. gets to stand right next to Danny Pedrosa. Oh, that's super rad. And look him eye to eye. Yeah. Going back to like this is this is a horrible example. Tobacco industry. Get them while they're young. Yep. Get you put it's a, not a kid, horrible industry. You, it's perfect. You take a kid off the street. Make sure you get parental consent. Make sure you get parental consent. Take a kid off the street. Put them on the grid. Give them an umbrella. Send them right next to Valentino Rossi in that throng that is the 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 yeah. grid before the race you just made a motorcyclist for life for sure for life guaranteed no doubts about it in my mind and, any and that's kid what that's we need to do to it. get these kids brainwashed into riding bikes yep and any kid that's watching that would say i want to be one right. of those and they want to be daddy how can year. i be one of those kids that gets to hold the umbrella and then i want to race right right and that's just Mm, that's just that that's why I like it so much because it's just so no, spot on. Great. You just made Formula One fans for life. We're engaging a younger generation in this sport, in this pastime. We're we're making sure that there is a pathway at a very, very early age to bring these kids into this. And that is the lifeblood, the future lifeblood to this industry. If we get kids on board, if we have a great onboarding of preteens and adolescents and getting them into into motorcycles and getting them excited about riding bikes and going to races and things like that we set ourselves up so well in the long term that just it just makes a ton of sense to me i agree just like the tobacco industry <laughs> it worked unfortunately right? joe camel joe camel i mean man if only we could bring that back yeah man think of all the Amazing amounts of money that have gone into the medical field because of that. <laughs> Fuck. Right. Well, I'm oh, overall I'm stoked to hear that with Formula One because it's just a matter of time. It's just clicking talk, clicking talk, ticking clock at this stage. I thought so, I was a dyslexic. One. <laughs> yeah, it's less it's less tick for sure. So I I like it and I'm stoked by it and I understand it and I'm. I think your perspective um, uh, was really good, and I'm I'm hoping that some of the people that commented that were so shitty might be able to take away a little bit more than just they're going to take away my boobs, right? Instead of that, they kind of be like, There's "Huh, so that's a good places point." To get boobs, do you not have the internet, right? Don't you think having more boobs in general will be better if you right in general, like if it brings in that that half of the population? Maybe it might be good You're for you. You're limiting your boobs. Right? Quentin, what if I could tell you I've got a plan <laughs> on how you can double your boobs? 
Would would that be something you're interested in? Oh God. Oh, the that's irony. probably how we got to pitch it. That's how I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go down to the, that's how shitty this industry. I'm gonna go down is, the yes. AMA. I'm gonna go down the MIC. I'm gonna be like, listen, oh. have I told you about my double boob plan? <laughs> Patent that shit, Jensen Beeler double boob plan 2018. <laughs> Put it on a sticker. Oh man, we should make shirts. <laughs> stickers and shirts. Uh, the Prince maybe, Albert maybe boob not, plan. Maybe not stickers, but just like pasties. <laughs> oh God damn it, Jensen. I'm a capitalist at heart, Quentin. I'm like, how can we merch this out? <laughs> Leave us a comment on iTunes if you'd be interested in two enthusiast pasties. Just <laughs> just spitballing. Just spitballing. Phrasing. Oh, <laughs> god damn it. Oh. All right. Kickstand's up on that one, man. I think we're done. L- listen to the Motor Podcast. It's on iTunes. It's where fine uh, podcasts are found, including this one. Quentin... Speaking of of kickstands, what was up with that that nineteen twenties like craziness you were posting the other day from the one show? Oh yeah, that was the best kickstand I've ever seen. Just it was on a BSA, a, a, a war era BSA. I can't remember the exact nomenclature of the BSA, but it was our friend Jamie who's in town. He, he restores old bikes. He had two bikes in the one show. One was a older Triumph, and one was this BSA that was you. Could, it wasn't restored, but he had chipped off the patina. And and uncovered symbols that were like like three layers thick in the paint of this of this wartime BSA. It was really cool. And well, I'm looking at it and I'm looking at this fucking rod sticking off the side. I'm like, what is that? And he said, Un- unhook it. And you, you you unhook it from the side of it. And the thing's like four feet long or three feet long. Then you place it behind it's like the a ski pole. It did. It looked like a, and and you hook it behind the kickstand or the the, the rider foot peg on the left hand side. And that is your kickstand. I was like, well. I don't know why, but maybe to get it up and out of the way or maybe that so that you could take it off and beat somebody with it. I, it was rad, though. So I, it's on the video on uh, the two enthusiasts. Didn't I, didn't yeah, I post yeah, it? Yeah, that's where I saw it. Yeah, yeah that's good. Good times. That was, it's a, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's like, I'm glad that we've evolved from there. Yeah, for sure. I guess maybe one part of it is that you could grab the bike, grab the kickstand with your hand and place it. Instead of using the, your foot, but who wants to do that? Apparently, no one from Ducati because you can't fucking get to the kickstand on the new Panigale. I told R. you. I told you. I saw that, and and I mean it can be done, but you're gonna have to be contortionist, and you're you better have uh, an ambulatory uh, ankle to be able to get to that. I don't screw. think a single journalist at the launch got it down with her foot. I don't you, think a single. You one almost did. have to get off the bike and, yep. and you can do it sitting with your hand. I did that, <laughs> but it's just yeah, I don't know. And that um, bike looks like the Hunchback of Notre Dame in person. That is an ugly fucking motorcycle. Really? Did, I, what about in the the Tricolore Speciale? Oh, it's worse than the Tricolore. Really? I, I no, really hate the Tricolore. No. no the, if you look at the graphics, no. it emphasizes the Quasimodo no, Hunchback I bullshit. I disagree full heartedly. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, full heartedly is right. Full heartedly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll take it to my grave. I'll ride the fuck out of it. I got on it. It feels amazing. I can't wait to ride it. Not hating on it in the whole sense, but in the fact that it looks like Quasimodo. Ugh. It's like the only thing that would be worse if it's if it had a BMW front end. Why you gotta body shame end. it? What? Why you gotta body shame it? No, it's well, it's, you know, Pre- practice what you preach. Good point. Good point. Drops the mic. No. Good talk to you out there. <laughs> Later. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That was good. Uh, Zinger! (laughs) I'm on fire tonight. Uh. Is that a piercing, the Prince Charles? That is a thing. No, it's a Prince Albert, I believe. (laughs)
Prince Charles, if you, you go into the, the... I was stretching you, there. Were you stretching it? I was I was kidding, but yeah, Stretch. right. <laughs> you have to stretch it before they do the thing. Did you ever see the, the penis puppetry? Oh, God, no. <laughs> it's a thing. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh.